hey everyone. Welcome to episode 275 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen with your host, Matt Payne. This week on the podcast, I had the pleasure of chatting with Arizona landscape photographer Joel Hazelton. Joel has been recommended for the podcast too many times to count. It was great to speak with Joel, a married father who has a full-time software engineering job, about his motivations for making his images. Before we get started today, I wanted to tell you about an awesome opportunity to join my friends Gary Randall and Elise Bender for a Cattle Lake Swamp Workshop November 17th through the 20th. I've always enjoyed Gary's company, his positive attitude, and his willingness to help others realize their potential. And so I think you'll have a great time by joining Gary and Elise. This small group workshop is limited to four participants per instructor and includes lodging, guided instruction, chartered boats, snacks, and a ton of fun. If you're interested, just go to gary-randall.com and find the workshops link in the menu. Okay, let's get to the show. All right, Joel Hazelton, it's great to have you on the podcast. It's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, of course. I've uh, been admiring your photography for a while now. I think we have, we're kind of like kindred spirits a little bit. You like to get off the beaten path and yeah. explore some stuff on your own, which I really appreciate. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely um, the best part of photography for me is the is the exploration aspect yeah. of it. Nice. Yeah, me too. Well, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for, for people who may, may not have ever heard of you before? Sure. So, uh, Joel Hazleton. I am uh, uh, from... Uh, Phoenix, Arizona, well, uh, uh, an outskirt of Phoenix called Tempe. Um, I'm actually an Arizona native, which is which is uh, very rare uh, when you talk to people in Arizona. Almost everybody is a, a transplant from the Midwest. Uh, so I'm an Arizona native and uh, had a, a love for Arizona ingrained in me from, from childhood. Um, my dad uh, is very very into the Arizona landscape and, and geography. And I remember when we would go on, on road trips around the state, he used to point out mountain ranges and ask me what the name of that mountain range was. And it was kind of a running joke in our family and we would tease him about it, but now I do the same thing. So um, yeah, so Arizona native, uh, always been an artist. And uh, at some point, uh, my love for the, the Arizona landscape and art was joined with photography. Um, I don't do it full time now. I'm actually a, a full time software engineer, uh, but I do obviously work photography on the side, and uh, I hope to someday do it full time. Uh, I have I have three kids. Uh, I'm married. Uh, I actually step kids, so I cannot afford to do photography full time. At least at this point, it's it logistically just wouldn't really work out. I'd have to be gone all the time, and and software pays a little bit more. So. Uh, you know, once they're grown up, I'm hoping to eventually ease into uh, ease out of the corporate world and ease into this full time. But, but uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing nowadays. Nice. What kind of software? Uh, well, I'm a I'm a DevOps engineer. So, so the software company I work for, we we develop supply chain software, and I'm more of a somewhere in between a, a software engineer and an infrastructure engineer. So I write software that deploys and configures hardware. <laughs> for, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds it is sounds fun. Hard. Actually. It, yeah, it's it's a little challenging, but it's fun. Yeah. All right on. Uh, so you're the the guy behind the scenes making things happen. Definitely, that's definitely me. <laughs> right on. 
Well, yeah, it's funny you say that you have three kids and you can't afford to be a photographer full time. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like 95% of people who are full time photographers are like single, no kids, you know, don't have anyone else depending on them for income. <laughs> I, I, ha- I have noticed that. Um, I mean, I don't, yeah. I, I I do I have noticed that like when you follow like these Nat Geo photographers and they they seemed like they sort of have, have built their life around travel and photography and and uh, you know sometimes I I envy that a little bit but uh, you know each each lifestyle has its perks and uh, and yeah 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 <laughs> for yeah, sure I, I would I, agree. I, yeah I, I mean I'm pretty much right in the same boat as you so I I think. I know exactly where you're coming from. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, so Joel, you're super well known for exploring and documenting Arizona's backcountry. In fact, I think every single photographer that I know that lives in Arizona has recommended you for the podcast. Yeah. Yet, seemingly, no one outside of Arizona has ever heard of you, which is yeah. really interesting to me. Uh, so, I have to say, you know, first, your images are you know quite stunning. They're unique. Thank you. They're interesting. Can you tell us more about your passion for Arizona? Yeah. Well, so I, I touched on it a little bit where it was it was something that was ingrained in me from a, a really young age. Um, when we were on, on holidays and, quote, family vacations, we didn't really take vacations per se, but we would take a day or two and, and leave town. And there was always hiking. Um, even if we went to it, sometimes we would go to a cabin or something like that. But the, the main activity as a family was always hiking. Um, and and I I always really enjoyed the exploration aspect of it. Um, just the, the idea of of following a trail and and um, sort of uh, deciphering the landscape. Everything was really messy, but being able to 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 make my way through and and not get lost. I don't. <laughs> what am I really trying to say with that one? Um, there's kind of an, an an aspect of I enjoyed the route finding aspect of it. I really enjoyed the the, the, the exploration um, and hiking, and uh, so I I, uh, I appreciate that, that the Arizona photographers have all recommended me. That's that's pretty cool. I guess I didn't really realize that. I uh, I think that for me the idea of documenting all of the secrets that Arizona has to offer was always far more interesting to me than photographing the icons and and I guess getting like a a million dollar shot that would get a, a lot of likes online. Um, I, I think that might be part of why all of the Arizona photographers are familiar with me and maybe not necessarily um, those from out of state because I think the appeal of my work is largely the uniqueness. Uh, if you live in Arizona and, and you hike and you explore and you photograph Arizona, um, and I think you, if you look at my portfolio, there's a lot of surprising scenes. If you, you know, you don't, even realize that some of this stuff is here. Right. Um, You're like, that's not Arizona. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where's and, the cactus? Know, <laughs> right. Yeah. Where yeah, where did all that water come from? <laughs> right. There's a waterfall and it's not Havasupai and or right. you know, Grand Falls or something like that. Um so I think that's probably why um why locally I might be a little more well known. Um people from from outside of Arizona uh the work might just look like not all that just not not as unique you know um but i just find that a lot more interesting when i when i first started photography i did a lot more of the photographing 
what I would consider to be the local icons, even if at the time they weren't necessarily local icons yet. Uh, it's amazing what has happened over the past 10 years or so with Instagram. I know. It's unbelievable. It's, yeah, it's really crazy. Um, you know, seeing some, like there's a, there's a spot called Sibiku Falls, which I photographed back in 2009. And it was, it was very unknown at the time. And now it is like the number one Instagram uh, influencer, uh, you know, location. Um, so it's been crazy seeing seeing that place blow up probably in the past five years in particular. Have you noticed an impact on that place because of that? I haven't been back. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I went in 2009 and I got a lot of good shots. And then I went back in 2010 because I wanted to hit it from a different angle. And then um, I think sometime maybe in like 2013, 2014 is when it became a little more well-known. And I just haven't bothered to go back since then. I mean, and and part of it is because I'm I fear the the impact because I, because I've I've read that there's trash. You know, I actually just recently read a, a a trip log from someone who had gone there within the past few weeks, and and they commented that they came out with a with a garbage bag full of trash they had collected. So oh, um, that doesn't surprise me. But but um, so that's part of it. But honestly, another another part of that is that returning to locations just doesn't really excite me that much. Uh, I get a lot more out of out of exploring new locations than I do um, returning to old ones. Interesting. interesting. I'm very similar in that way. And I've heard a lot of people talk about, I mean, I can see both sides of it. I I mean, there are certain locations I like to go back to every year just to like, see how it's changed or what else I can do there. Um, Especially if it's a more of an area than a shot per se. Yeah. But for me, it's like, I don't know, like watching the same television show over and over again or yeah. like like putting together the same puzzle that you already put together before. Like it doesn't, there's no, I don't know. They're part of the fun of photography for me is the challenge of trying to unlock the puzzle for the first time in a place. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good way to put it. Um, especially if it's a, especially if it's a puzzle that hasn't been unlocked by somebody else previously. Right. It's um, an awesome challenge. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's great to feel like, you know, if you go there and you you feel like you got the shot right away. You know, I mean there have been some places where I've gone and I I I I thought I did pretty good work and and I feel like I was probably the first person to go there with you know, a, a professional camera and and sort of looking at it from that photographic perspective because you know, hikers have been everywhere. Um right. And then, and then, you know, another photographer went there and got better work. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I should, should have done better that first time. <laughs> um, but you know, that, that happens. Uh, but I, I agree. Um, going back to an area is a little different. Like there's, there's the Kofa wilderness out in Western Arizona, which a lot of people have photographed at the foothills of the Kofas. Um, there are some, there are some buttes, um, right kind of at the Western edge of that mountain range that a lot of photographers go to but you can drive right up to it. But if you get into the heart of the range, there's these super dramatic jagged peaks that you can climb. Um, and I've, I've returned there a handful of times because each different peak is a, is its own very unique view. Even if they're right next to each other, it's pretty crazy, which I'm sure that with the vertical, vertical exchange of, of those peaks in Colorado, it's probably a really similar experience. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least for mountains for me, like the, fun part about that is when you're on the top of a mountain and you're looking out across a sea of mountains, you're like, Oh, I remember that time I climbed that one. And Oh, remember what it was like when we did that? You know, it's just like, it floods you with all these memories. Yeah. 
I also think that that working for well, not for. I mean, I I don't work for Arizona Highways. It's I'm an individual contributor. Uh, every once in a while, I'll get a contract assignment for them, but they don't have any full time photographers. Yeah, um, but doing work for the magazine has definitely uh, changed my mindset into more of a documentary type mindset. Um, just because they send me on assignments and the assignments are, are almost always to photograph, uh, to document an area. Um, and you know, not straight documentary. I mean, it's, they want fine art photography. That's the, that's, I think a, a large part of the appeal of the magazine. Um, but, uh, but, um, I've definitely over the past eight or so years, I've been working with them. Um, I've got, gone a lot more towards, towards the idea of, of documenting every single corner of every, every corner and nook and cranny of an area to try and tell a story. Um, because that's what they want as a story, as opposed to going and, and spending three days, uh, looking for that $1 million shot, um, definitely is not my strategy anymore. It's not a very efficient way to work. <laughs> right. Especially when you have limited time and you, I mean, I think in order to get images like that, you have to be extraordinarily lucky or have a lot of time. Yes. You can just yes. stay in a spot for like two weeks, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I've, I've seen this story over and over again about, uh, uh, Ansel Adams in Monument Valley. He has a famous, a famous color, <clears throat> excuse me, color shot from Monument Valley and it's a beautiful shot, but the story, at least as I've read it, is that he was in Monument Valley for something like three days before he exposed a single, a single sheet of film. And that one sheet of film ended up being that image. He just, I don't know, sat there and waited for the right moment. <laughs> I yeah. I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> Actually, um, there's a, it's, it's a wild story, but um, there's this photographer. I don't think he photographs much anymore, but he was super active in like the mid 2010s. Mm-hmm. Um, his name was Andrew Waddington and, uh, I think he's from the UK. I, I recognize that name from the, the NPN days, nature photographers network days, but yeah, yeah, but he was telling me that, um, there's a mountain over near Portland that I used to climb to the top of, like, I think I did it like eight times or something to try to get a photo. And, you know, it's, it's the Pacific Northwest. There's always rain and clouds and fog and like the conditions are, almost never what you expect them to be. And he said he climbed that mountain like 28 days in a row and still didn't cool. get the photo he wanted. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is... I mean, it's not, it's not a hard climb. It's like probably a three mile hike, Yeah, but still. <laughs> That's some commitment. Wow. Yeah. And he still didn't get the shot, which is. I, wow. I'm very sorry for him not being able to get that shot. That, that would be really frustrating. A month, yeah. a month straight of working at one image. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't work that way. It, I don't have that kind of attention span anymore. No, no, I agree. <laughs> well, I know you backpack um, a lot and you explore some really remote areas in Arizona. Can you tell us uh, some of your favorite excursions? Like maybe there's a, like a really interesting story in there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> my favorite excursions are always, I mean, Arizona is known for its canyons, obviously, <laughs> the Grand Canyon, which which surprisingly I have spent very little time at the Grand Canyon. Uh, Grand Canyon might be the one place in Arizona where I've spent the least amount of time. Um, I know this is kind of a side tangent, but um, yeah, you're good. The, the Grand Canyon is, is, is beautiful and I would love to get down in there and do more backpacking 
in the side canyons and, and along the river and, and everything. Photographing from the rim doesn't really interest me that much. Um, I think, first of all, there's the the distance from my house. The Grand Canyon is really far away. <laughs> um, I mean, the South Rim, not necessarily. I could get to the South Rim of the Grand Canyon in, in maybe three and a half hours or something like that. Okay. Um, but the North Rim takes forever. You've got to drive around the entire thing. Um, and then to get in it, like you need permits and anyway. Um, but I also, so many people have gotten such striking. I mean, there are photographers that have dedicated their lives to shooting just the Grand Canyon. There's a, a local photographer, Adam Shalau, which, wow, how did I not have him on this list? Um, let's add him <laughs> to the recommended photographers interview if you haven't already, but he is a, an amazing photographer and he, he I think he shoots almost exclusively Grand Canyon. Um, he does. I actually, last time I was in the Grand Canyon, I met up with him and we talked about it. He's like, I have nothing to add to the podcast. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, interesting. <laughs> but I feel like he's wrong, but anyway. <laughs> I'd like to hear from him, but yeah. Right. Um, so I feel like if I go in there, I know that I can't, I can't learn that place enough in a couple of days to be able to really contribute to the incredible body of work that's already been created there. So it's like this commitment that I'm not ready to make yet. <laughs> it's like, it's like a true delve into night photography or something. You know, I, I haven't spent much time there and there are so many people that have dedicated so much time to it that I know that if I just dabble in it, it's not really going to contribute much and I've got to like really commit. So the Grand Canyon, maybe, you know, once I leave corporate or if the kids grow up or something gives me more time, then maybe I'll start to start to work that more. But anyway, back to your original question. Sorry. You're good. Um, I love canyons and there are a lot of them here in Arizona. That's what we're known for. And, 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 uh, the Mogollon Rim is this long, tall escarpment, Ooh. a big cliff that runs across Arizona, uh, from the East to the West end. And there's a lot of water that starts on the Mogollon Rim. And, uh, there are the, a, a series of really big, um, non-technical, but very rugged canyons, uh, that flow off the rim. There's East Clear Creek, West Clear Creek, Beaver Creek, Tonto Creek, uh, etc. And these are probably my favorite areas of Arizona to explore. They're they're inhospitable. Um, they're really tough to get to. Um, they all have water for the. I mean, a lot of them have water, uh, and they're absolutely beautiful. And they go through these different like geological zones. And so the rock is all different colors and mm. different textures. And they're just, just incredible. Um, so actually just Monday, a couple of days ago, I got back from a, a four day trip into the Hell's Gate wilderness mm. um, along a Creek called Tonto Creek. And actually um, Jonathan Buford, uh, whom you interviewed a couple months ago, um, he was on the trip with me. He and I do a lot together. Nice. And uh and that was just amazing. Um, Hell's Gate is is one of the most rugged wilderness areas in the state. I mean, arguably the most rugged. Um, just just getting into any of those creeks, the the easiest way to get in is a, a seven mile hike. It's a trail, um, but it's a, it's a long, steep trail that that is you know rocky and you lose a lot of elevation. That's the easiest way just to get to the creeks. But from there, you know, any sort of exploration beyond the end of that trail is 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 really tough. Gotcha. So my my ideal trip is to take all of my gear and stuff it in a dry bag and stuff my dry bag in my backpack and uh, do what some people will call it a swim pack. 
um, like backpack <laughs> okay. with swimming. Um, All right. I prefer just like non-technical canyoneering, but um, yeah, you just make your way down the creek because there's no trails and it's wall-to-wall pools and you just scramble and wade and bushwhack and and Tonto Creek is notorious for having these huge, long wall-to-wall pools that you have to swim. And uh, and so it's a little unnerving when you first do it because you've got $10,000 worth of camera gear in your backpack and you kind of take that first plunge into the water and you're laying on your, you know, I will, everyone has their, their different strategy for doing this, but when you put everything in a dry bag and you roll down the top and you, and you clip it shut, it holds air. And so you're kind of buoyant. Your pack is buoyant because of the dry bag. And so I'll just lean back onto my backpack and then backstroke and it keeps me afloat. It's kind of like a buoyant turtle shell. Um, like I said, it's a little unnerving at first because you're like, God, I really hope this dry bag is, is, is good because if it's not my, my gear and my sleeping bag and all my stuff is soaked. Um, but you kind of, you kind of learn to get comfortable with it. You know, you learn what dry bags to buy and, and how to test them and things like that. You know, you do want to take some precautions to avoid that. Um, but you know, you, as soon as you get past that first pool, it's like, maybe you'll see a really, you know, dedicated fly fisherman, uh, within the first (laughs) mile or so. But beyond that, man, there is nobody. Um, and every time you, you swim another pool, uh, to get farther down or up the Creek, you're just farther and farther away from civilization. And it's, it's just, it's a very, uh, it's very exhilarating. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's tough, man. It's a, it's a full body workout. Um, no doubt. We, we averaged about eight miles a day, um, which is, you know, when you think about a backpacking trip where you're doing eight miles a day, that's pretty moderate, right? I mean, anyone can hike eight miles a day, but but when you take into account the terrain and the sort of work you're doing, you know, just the climbing up waterfalls and swimming these pools and then, and then thrashing through trees or, you know, whatever. Um, it's a lot of work. You burn a lot of calories. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, Sounds and, exhausting. Yeah. But you, you see cool stuff. Um, it's also nice because you can do it when it was, it was 90 degrees, I think was, uh, was the high most days, like eight high eighties, low nineties. Uh, which on a normal trip that would really suck um, hiking in that those sort of temperatures. But it's actually it was actually a little chilly for this trip because we spent so much time in the water. But it's also nice because in the morning, you know, you wake up and it's it's already seventy degrees out, and so it makes getting up for morning photography way easier. Because, like, I think out of the four days we were there, I wore long sleeves once, and I had it on for maybe twenty minutes or so. Um, just to kind of stave off the morning chill. But after that, it's like shorts and t-shirt, shorts and t-shirt from, from sunup till sundown uh, is, a, is pretty great because I, I hate sunrise. <laughs> I hate getting up for sunrise. Um, so that was that trip. And it just trips like that, you know, just little moments that I remember from those trips, like one on West Clear Creek, I went to a, 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 a place that's kind of, kind of locally uh, famous called uh, uh, Indian Maiden Falls is I think the local, name for it. I don't think it's an official name, but um, it's a spot on West Clear Creek. And just one moment that I remember from that is, sorry, another side tangent. A, a great thing about these canyons is you don't have to get up for sunrise, at sunrise. Like at sunrise, the canyon is still dark. Right. Um, it's tall and it's narrow and you want to wait for the sun to be, you know, an, an hour into the sky so that it, so that the top of the canyon walls are getting hit with direct light and it's bouncing into the you know, reflecting into the creek or bounce light onto the other canyon walls. You know, shooting at sunrise is pretty much pointless. You're going to get like a flat, dark shot. 
So there's a lot less pressure to be up on time. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, so just getting up for Indian Maiden Falls, you know, you can camp right. I, I, I camped uh, maybe 20 feet from just the mo- one of the most incredible waterfalls in Arizona. There's a, a sandstone ledge next to it where you can, I set up my bivy. And so just to get up there and it's light out, but it's not time to shoot yet. So I just like walk over with my jet coil and make coffee and just sit and look at this waterfall while drinking coffee. It's, you know, little things like that are just like, I don't know, amazing. <laughs> so how do you, uh, how do you keep the photos of that subject different or interesting? Cause I feel like canyons and water, like there's only so many ways you can photograph canyons and water, but I'm guessing there's a lot more to it, but this is what my imagination is going to right now. Yeah, that's a really good question because that is something that I will uh, battle with sometimes um, is that uh, the shots do get repetitive. Um, So yeah, there are only so many ways that you can do it and um, so many different strategies that you can employ. Uh, You know, there's the best way to do it is, is in my opinion, is by using that, using that direct light uh, and getting getting a bounce light and, and reflections. Um, and uh, the closer the closer the sun can be to the actual scene, the better it is. So if, if you're shooting the bottom of the canyon in shadows and the direct sunlight of like mid-morning is just above the frame, you're going to get light bouncing, indirect light and reflections bouncing all over the scene. Um, so that's kind of like the, the gold standard. That's what I go for uh, every single time is, is that exact scenario but you know even even when you do that really well you know after after four days in the same canyon you start to look at your shots and think yeah these are getting a little redundant um right. and then there's the soft water shot you know everyone's <laughs> everyone shoot you can shoot from the bottom of the waterfall looking up you can shoot from the top looking down <laughs> right um but i suppose um, there's a lot you could do playing with shutter speed and looking at the the light on the water and you know you know you have refraction and you can do all kinds of cool stuff just with the water itself. Yeah. You can do like little intimates like that. Yeah. Um, one thing that I was finding, um, in certain areas this past, this past trip was that, uh, that there would be like a moss buildup, um, around some of these little cascades, you know, there'd be, you know, there was one where there was a big boulder, like two feet in front of the bottom of the cascade. And so the, the mist, or the spray from this cascade was hitting this boulder constantly. And so it developed this, this really cool, like carpet of moss on the side of the boulder. And, and, and so that, you know, that made for some opportunities for little creative, intimate type shots. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, it's, it's kind of just like shooting from peaks, you know, there's only so much you can, you know, you can throw something in the foreground, you can zoom in and, you know, if you want the sun in the back, you can get layers if you want, you know, there's, there's only so many things you can, you can do and you just kind of have to play with, play with what's there. Um, and you know, the, for me, the, the love of being in those places, uh, trumps the fact that, you know, there might be some redundancy in, in, in my work afterwards. I'm, I think sure. I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if redundancy should be seen as a negative word, right? I mean, on the flip side, it's also consistent, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, Which, and it, for, it forces creativity, you know? Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. That's what, what's one of the things I love about doing my, um, my Colorado fall color trips is, you know, it, 
if three or four days in, you start to, everything starts looking sort of the same. Like there's only so many photos of aspen trees that, and mountains that you can make, but it forces you to start getting creative. Like, okay, what else can I do here? And well, yeah. there's tons of stuff you can do if you, if you just, you know, set aside your expectations of what a good photo is going to be. So, yeah. And that can, that usually will take me, um, a couple of days even yeah, uh, because when you go there with the, an idea of what you want, you're going to, you're going to try and get those shots you have in your head. And yeah, you have to, you have to sort of get tired of that before you, before you start, you know, and sometimes I'll want to just be comfortable with what I've gotten. Like, okay, so I, I got this shot. I got this shot, I got this shot. Okay. Now I feel comfortable, like right. start starting to take more risks. Yeah. Um, and I, and that also probably goes back to the fact that people like you and I with, you know, families and jobs, you you don't have time to take those risks all the time. You know, you want to, you want to really utilize the the little time you have out there to get the shots that you're comfortable with, I guess. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, you touched on it earlier, but you know, you do a lot of photography for Arizona highways magazine and mm-hmm. including assignment work, like you were saying, can you tell us a little bit more about your relationship with Arizona highways and how that's defined your career as a photographer? Yeah. So my parents were always subscribers to Arizona Highways, and so I've been looking at that magazine since I was very young. And uh, I would say that that magazine was probably the the reason that I even got into landscape photography. Um, you know, like I said, I <clears throat> it, it was kind of a natural natural thing because I loved the landscape and I loved exploring, and I was an artist. But but Arizona Highways was really my first exposure into, into looking at nature photography and, and, and I loved it. And in the early two thousands, there was, there were a lot of, not a lot, but there was definitely a group of photographers working for that magazine that did a lot of the the stuff that I do now. Um, the exploration of those, those canyons off the muggy on rim, there was, um, Nick Berezanko, which, which recent, who, who recently passed, um, he's a very nice guy and incredible photographer. Um, he and and Jeff Snyder and and Richard Webb, um, and and some others I might be forgetting, but they they did a lot of um, exploration of these canyons, and uh, that really is is what inspired me to do what I do now. Um, for some reason, it seems like after these guys, their uh, after their major run in the magazine passed, there weren't a lot of people that that picked that up. You know, there was like me and John and. And maybe a couple others, but for some reason, the passions for these canyons—I don't know. It's—I don't really know what happened to it. But anyway, um, looking at looking at this magazine is what really inspired me to get into photography to begin with. And so, as I started getting deeper into it, my ultimate goal was to get in Arizona Highways. Just one, just one photo published, I felt like was going to be like I could die happy if I got one photo in Arizona Highways. <laughs> right, mission accomplished. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so I started working on my portfolio and then um, one of their photographers, his name is Derek Von Briesen, um, another nice guy and really good photographer. He lives up in Sedona. Um, he he was on Facebook and he reached out to me over Facebook and was like, hey, you know, I really like your work. Uh, it's time to submit to Arizona Highways. And that was like, <laughs> ah, you know, I was freaked out like, oh my gosh, Derek Von Briesen is, you know, telling me this. And, and uh, he said... Uh, his his advice was to just make sure that I have a. His suggestion was a, a 100 image portfolio of of photos that are as strong as my strongest work. Um, You're like, oh great, so I have to work for like 20 more years. Yeah, 
<laughs> so it was so I think he reached out to me in 2009 or 2010 okay. and it was another 5 years before I submitted. So yeah. I I I truly took his advice to heart. Um and I and every time I went out I I I had what he told me in in mind. Um yeah, yeah. Um and uh and so then in 2014 I think I finally had this 100 image portfolio that I was that I was comfortable with and I he also recommended, you know, print, make prints, make actual physical prints, put them in an, an actual envelope <laughs> and send it over snail mail. Like don't email, you know, send, actually send a package to the office. And I'm like, that's a weird concept. <laughs> I'm like, what that? is this? Mail? <laughs> right. Um, and you said it include a letter, like an, like a, an actual physical letter <laughs> uh, and, and, and send it to them. Uh, you know, talking about like your passions and whatever else, what you're into, why you like photography and all that stuff. So I actually, I did that and I mailed it and I was like, all right, I'm going to wait like a week and then I'm going to call Jeff. He gave me Jeff's number, which their office number, you know, they put them in the magazine and everything. So, uh, and I think it was literally the next day I was, you know, I can't wait. <laughs> so I, I called the next day and maybe, I don't know, maybe they, hopefully they got it. And, uh, I talked to Jeff and it was, I was really nervous. And I was like, "Hey, my name is Joel Hazelton. You know, I submitted to you." And he's like, "He's like, oh yeah, yeah, I got your package." And then, like, I think we were just like in silence for like, <laughs> You're like, what do I a, say now? A while. And he's like, "Uh, I mean, it's good. I like it." And I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Shoot, I, now that I got him, what am I? Yeah, what am I supposed to say now?" Uh, anyway, but yeah, the next month they actually they actually published uh, they published an image. So I, I think that Derek's advice of actually having like whole like portfolio of images was for anyone who wants to be probably in any magazine um you know it's i think it's probably a lot more useful to them to to have a body of work for them to choose from rather than just being a one and done having like just one great image that you hope that they because not everything is going to go everywhere you know so you have like a an incredible unique image of of havasu falls they probably have no use for that and so you're or they they don't immediately and you might be waiting two years before they run a story where that's actually going to be useful. So going in there right. with, with a body of work. Okay. So that was a long story. <laughs> so uh, yeah, ever since then, you know, it's just been a matter of, of uh, just, you know, I update my website pretty regularly and, and uh, <clears throat> I've been lucky that, that um, I've just developed a, a, a friendship with the, the art, the art team is, is an awesome group of people. Um and, uh, and so they, they turn to my work a lot to, you know, they, they pull from my portfolio a lot to, to run things in the magazine. And, and, um, I think that it, it helps that I, I do types of the trips I do and, and the, the sort of things that I like to do are a little different than maybe your average photographer. And so they can, they can give me stories that maybe others wouldn't necessarily want to do, um, couple years ago they gave me a story to document the recovery of the of the wall of fire which was the biggest the biggest fire in arizona history it burned half a million acres i think it's huge um and it was in eastern arizona in the white mountains which is my favorite one of my favorite areas of arizona anyway uh and it was a very challenging assignment um because that whole section of arizona is 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 wild and rugged um it's some of the most wild country here and uh and then to get into these burned areas was surprisingly difficult. Um, it, w- it was way more than what I expected. I, I figured, you know, it's, the area is burned, so 
maybe maybe travel is going to be easier. There's going to be less vegetation. Totally not the case. Um, because where like the healthy vegetation burned, it was re- all replaced by this nasty um, uh, locust tree um, uh. that just sort of takes over and it's, it's thorny and, and kind of a pain. So, um, but uh, you know, I spent a whole, I spent an entire summer um, work on that story. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, my, my love for, for that sort of work probably inspires me to put even more time into it than I necessarily need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also probably helps that I don't, I don't do it for my primary income. So um, I'm not having to do like a, like a cost benefit analysis every single time I go out on a trip, like, okay, if I'm getting paid this much, I should probably put this much time into it. So I have time for other things, you know, I can, my vacation is going to be out taking photos anyway. So I might as well just dedicate all of my vacation time to this one assignment. <laughs> right. And um, it gives you something to focus on, which I feel like is an, an added layer of challenge and fun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so so worrying less about getting because you know as as artists sure we we shoot for ourselves but i think that i think that a lot of the time i don't want to speak for everybody but you know i i like attention i like when people like my work <laughs> you know <Of> course. <laughs> yeah so uh so if i'm out shooting and i don't have a specific purpose like a, a magazine assignment or or, or John, he's, he's been working on his book. So every every trip I went on with John for the past year has been has been for his his wilderness book. You know, when you don't have that that very particular goal in mind, um, you know, what are you what are you working for? Well, you want to get the the best possible image so that you can get as many likes as you can on social media. And uh, so working an assignment, it takes that whole social media likes element out of the picture. Um, and so I'm not so focused on getting like the most you know, pleasing, beautiful, perfect shot there is. It's more of a, how can I, how can I take this story and, and get as many angles on it as I can and, and document what's going on out here as, as best as I can. So, so uh, working with him has definitely changed my photography in that aspect. Um, and uh, I mean, I really, really enjoy it. <clears throat> what kind of work do you think magazines like that are typically looking for because i'm sure they get inundated with you know submissions and and i'm sure they probably have four thousand versions of horseshoe band in there <laughs> you know and that they they're like please stop sending photos of horseshoe band you know, like that kind of thing so what yeah. kind of images do you think they're looking for yeah that'd be a really good question for i'm sure jeff could talk about that for a long time um yeah i you know he has i know that I know that they get a lot of the same type of stuff. I, I would imagine that because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put words in the the art team's mouths because I don't, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not them. But I imagine that they are looking for something different. Um, they just want, they want the, the, the. I know the magazine has been around for going on a hundred years now, um, and so they've they've run a lot of stuff, and uh, it's probably a challenge to 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 get something new out there and so i i think that they just want they just want a new perspective on things uh they want something that is that is fresh and unique um and obviously there's there's different ways to achieve that i've never considered myself uh my my actual strengths with photography i've never considered them being like you know really pushing the boundaries of 
the art itself. You know, I'm not I'm not going out there and and taking huge risks with my images uh, in terms of like you know, I'm not blowing anyone's mind with the, the, the light, the, the lighting scenarios that I'm choosing or the compositions or, you know, I'm, I'm not going out there and, and, and breaking a bunch of, of compositional rules or, or anything like that. The way that I've kept my work fresh and unique is by going to, to new places. Um, so I think that that's been what they appreciate about my contribution. Some people, you know, some people can, they, they ran a story a few years ago of, of a guy who went and and shot an amazing portfolio of the Grand Canyon, but like everything was like an intimate shot of rocks. It was just like patterns within within rocks. You know, it was like these yeah. these like macro shots of rocks. It was like that. That was his. That was the way that he got a, a new take on things. He went to a, a, a very overly photographed area and got completely unique shots just because he he focused on something that no one else has ever focused on before. And then you take someone like Adam Shalau, who he's just so ridiculously good at what he does that he can, you know, he can take what um, traditionally would be a more, uh, you know, he, he's shooting, you know, he does a lot of like wide angle near far type of stuff, but he's just so freaking good at it that he can, he can pull that off. <laughs> so, and, you know, you got to just be either really, 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 really good or, or find some other way to stand out. <laughs> no, that's and a so, good yeah, point. I, I, I think they just want, I think they just want work that's different than what they've seen before. And you're right. They get a lot of horseshoe bend. I'm sure they get a lot from the, from the viewpoints of the South Rim, Red Rock Crossing at Sedona, you name it. You know, all, all these icons are, are over photographed and I'm sure they get tons of submissions of those. Right. White pocket. <laughs> a lot of white pocket. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. White pocket at night. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it is cool. Yeah, no, it is very cool. Yeah. One thing that strikes me about you that's a little different too is this focus on the work product versus a focus on images that you can sell or images that have that wow factor that do well on social media. And I'm yeah. curious what that approach has done for you in terms of your relationship with photography and your mental health. Because a lot of people that are focused on those other things, I feel like are constantly in a negative headspace. So I'm, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that that, that, that puts me in a, a more positive headspace. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, because photography has, and this is something I'm really battling with right now. Uh, it's become work. Uh, I mean, I love it. I love it so much, but I've always been the type where anything that I take on, I'm going to turn it into work somehow anyway. Um, I've had to force myself to not do that with certain things. Yeah. You know, the same like, way. yeah. Okay. Like, you know, like, and I know that you, I know you've made it a goal to climb all of the 14ers in Colorado, right? Oh, uh, I finished that in 2012, but yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're good. <laughs> but I mean, I, I feel like that's probably an example of something that, that was fun. And then you ended up, yeah, you know you probably turned it into a, a, a job in, in some ways where you were probably, I'm, oh. I'm sorry, I'm putting words in your mouth, but no, but I mean, I, to your point <laughs> I had, it would be February and I would have every weekend of my summer planned out from May 1st through the end of September. I right. knew exactly where I was going to go, what day, which mountains I was climbing. Like yeah. I have my entire year planned. So yeah. And did you, 
did you ever have a moment where you're like, damn it, this is supposed to be fun. Why is this now suddenly like a second or third or fourth or whatever job? Um, not until after I finished my goal. Okay. Then it was like, oh, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. So then I so then I made the goal of climbing the highest hundred mountains in Colorado. Okay. <laughs> and I finished okay. that in twenty eighteen. Okay. And then it was even a more profound uh experience of okay, do I want to set another goal, you yeah. know, or do I just want to enjoy being in the mountains with a camera? Yeah. And that's more of what I, what I, well, <laughs> and then I got involved in a project where I wrote a guidebook for the San Juan mountains. So like, then the goal was to make sure I had all the photos that I needed for the book. So yeah, it's always something. <laughs> yeah. There's always, there's always something. Right. <laughs> so, and, and, and so that is, has definitely happened with me. So yeah, maybe, Maybe I'm not I'm not so obsessed with with having a huge um, social media presence. You know, I mean, if I had ten thousand followers, I don't think I would be upset about it. <laughs> you know, um, but I I definitely am not when when I post, I'm not um, I'm not basing my my self worth on on how many likes I get. Uh, if I didn't if I didn't have um, the work I do with the magazine, I could certainly see myself being there, being in that spot. So I'm not going to judge anybody who, who is in that spot, um, whether they, whether they consciously recognize that or not. I mean, we all have to get our, you know, as artists, we're all searching for likes in one way or another. Um, but, but, um, what's well, more like the search for purpose and meaning, you know, yeah. um, I think that's, that's, that's like life, right? Like we're all, yeah kind of searching for that in life but i think as artists even more so and i think when the work doesn't have a purpose then you start turning to these intrinsic um, or perhaps externally motivated um, areas of intent which doesn't always produce the best work right yes i agree i agree and and so the purpose that i have with photography now has has in in some ways, l- lowered, uh, re- reduced the amount of creativity that I put into it. Um, you know, I, I now I, I treat everything uh, kind of like a like a story, like a like an assignment. Um, and and even if I'm not treating something like an assignment or directly working an assignment, I'm I'm doing something else. Like, <clears throat> excuse me. Like I have I have a workshop that I'll be teaching um, coming up here in in just over a month. And, and right now, a lot of my trips are, are uh, doing recon for that workshop, you know, scoping out, scoping out locations for the workshop. So, uh, so, you know, traditionally when I, when I would be taking my summer and, and just doing, you know, these incredible exploration, relaxing type of trips, um, I'm thinking, oh gosh, you know, I've got, I'm going to have these people for four days and, uh, it, it just sounds like a nightmare to, to take them to a, even a location I'm familiar with, but not really have like sort of compositions planned out that I can, that I can work around or, or knowing exactly where the light is going to be at certain times. You know, I, I just don't want to be like a deer in a headlight, deer in headlights at, the, at, at this, at this, any, at any point in this workshop. So, um, so yeah, I'm not working an assignment this summer, but I, but I'm working on, on doing recon for this workshop. So, um, it has definitely um, made photography feel like work in a lot of ways. And in a lot of ways, it has just turned it into work. Um, <clears throat> for the first time ever 
in October, I actually turned down an assignment, which was a surreal experience for me because because if I think back to me in like 2012, 2013, um, working a, a, an assignment for Arizona Highways was just the the ultimate dream that I would probably never even achieve. And so to skip ahead ten years, and you know they they gave me they gave me an assignment, and I, I had to say no. It's that was it was bizarre, man. It was <laughs> it was it was a weird thing to do. Um, and, and you know I'm. Uh, it made me super anxious, like, oh God, they're never going to come to me again. And they're going to find someone else that's going to take my place and whatever. <laughs> but, um, you know, at some point you have to kind of recognize when, when things become, you know, I did, I, I did, I had to really take a, a, a look at my life from a, from a, a realistic perspective. You know, I've got, I do have a full-time job and I've got three kids and, and anytime I take on something else, something else has to give. Right. And so, um, I legitimately cannot afford to let my job I, I can't I can't pull that time from my actual job because that's my source of income and and so a lot of, a lot of the time um, uh, it's at the expense of sleep first of all um, like last <laughs> last night I was up until two a.m. working on processing and uploading photos for a, an, an art consultant firm that um, are using it for some project you know I, I lose I ended up doing a lot of the more uh, logistical type stuff at night after everyone goes to bed because then yep. you know family is done work is done i'm sure you know how that goes yeah it's how it is yeah and then you know if i if i work an assignment i'm gone on the weekend so that's that's the at the expense of my family so you know i had to kind of look at things and and uh and uh yeah i made it made a decision so i'm curious if some of these more recent realizations for you have caused you to rethink the idea that you might want to do this full time someday? Um, I think that, uh, I, I don't, I actually don't know if those realizations have made me rethink it. Um, because I'm, you know, I'm, I am 36. And so my, my kids who are, like I said, they're my, they're my stepkids. Um, they are, you know, my youngest is 12. Okay. So in theory, you know, it won't be, it won't be that long before my time. I'll, I'll have a lot more time. Right. 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 Um, <clears throat> so, you know, even if I'm in my mid forties and an empty nester, that's, I'm, that's pretty young still. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so, so I don't think that that's necessarily my main concern. I, w- I would say if, if I'm rethinking it for any reason right now, it's more financial. I mean, even if, even if three kids moved out, they're going to be really expensive still. <laughs> um, and I want to retire and whatever else someday. Um, but for me, retirement may be, maybe retirement will be full-time photography. Maybe when I'm in my late fifties, I'll drop out of the corporate world and, and do photography instead. Um, where, where I think it has definitely, um, there, where there is a relationship between what I'm doing now and, and my thinking about the future is that with things like working this, this workshop, doing this workshop this summer, um, I am, I am looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun and it's going to be an awesome experience, um, I knew right off the bat though, that, <clears throat> that it was going to be a lot of work and that I was going to end up taking it really seriously and, and, and probably spend a lot of time prepping for it. But the reason I decided to do it, uh, was that I know that if I, if, if, and when I do, uh, you know, go into full-time photography, teaching workshops is going to be a big part of it. Like my understanding is that that's a, a very large portion of your income if you're working full-time as a photographer. Uh, and for, for some people, yeah, for some people. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a, it was a way to sort of get my foot in the door. Um, and, uh, 
and get that start getting that experience now. And also, you know, if if for some reason I I didn't like it, which I I don't anticipate for the record. I mean, I, I feel like I'm I'm painting some of this in, in a negative light. I'm 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 genuinely looking forward to it, and and I think it's going to be incredible. But it's going to give me the opportunity to, if it's not for me, I can be like, oh well, that's not for me. So you know, now I now I can I can sort of readjust my vision of the future based on that. Sure. Um. So. So yeah, there is definitely a lot of thinking about the future there, um, but uh, I don't, I don't really anticipate time being being a problem. Um, yeah. So you know, you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but you know, you're super busy. You have a family. You have a full time job. How do you balance and squeeze it all in? You know, like what's your strategy for that? Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so I've always, well, not always. I feel like I'm really good at compartmentalizing things in my brain. Um, and I actually think this is something I, I've learned in in doing this. Uh, might, might not have always been the case. <clears throat> uh, because, you know, my three very distinct parts of my life are family, work, and photography. And they're all like, they're all like pretty different, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've gotten pretty too. good. At... That's for me too, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and 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 I've gotten pretty good at at switching between them, and I'm good at at sort of keeping an organized schedule for myself and and optimizing my time uh, with each of those things. Um, transitions can be a little rough, uh, you know. Like like I, I was a little, and, and I'm actually my, my headspace is I'm I'm pretty pleased with how this is going right now. I was a, I was a little concerned with my transition from just the morning fires at work into, into talking about photography. I was like, God, I hope I can get myself, I hope I can switch my brain. And it's, it's actually worked out pretty well. So, (laughs) um, but, uh, like I don't do a lot of weekend trips, like full weekend trips when, when the kids are around. So I say when the kids are around, because right now it's, it's, they're on summer break. So they actually go to their, their biological father's house during the summer so they're gone for a couple months gotcha. um, so so summer is when i'm just you know every weekend every weekend i'm out um uh, but but when the kids are here which is the majority of the year um i don't do a lot of full weekend trips i will do like little half day trips here and there i'll do like a like a half a day on sunday or something like that Dep- especially if it's winter and i don't have to go very far because it's not a thousand degrees i can you know i can i can do like a half sunday trip and still get a good little adventure out of it and, um, and so what I will make sure to do is that when I am home for the majority of the week and I'll plan things and just optimize my time with the family so that, you know, we all had a nice time together. And then I feel a lot better about Sunday, late morning, switching gears and then leaving for half the day. And then through working with the magazine for the past eight years or so, I've gotten very good at, at optimizing my time when I'm out in the field because I just, think and work very efficiently uh, in, you know, finding composite, which we, like we've already discussed it, that is kind of at the, at the compromise of, of creativity because, because then I'm out there just looking for very technical aspects of a scene, you know, where's the light and what's in the foreground and things like that. It's a lot more of a, a formulaic thing as opposed to a creative process. Um, and then work is work. You know, I come home and I, I work. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's a matter of just really optimizing efficiency, which each, with each one of those parts of, of my life to make sure that I get everything done. Um, 
it's a very technical way of looking at things. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not like the most like, uh, oh, what's the word am I looking for? You know, I'm very kind of technical minded. Um, and it probably come, comes across that way sometimes too. Like, oh, we're going to do this now and this now. And it's, there's less passion and more just efficiency to it. But I don't know. That's, I think that's just the way I would be anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but another thing, another way I've handled that <clears throat> is the times when maybe a half day isn't really going to cut it. You know, I want to, I want to get somewhere a little, a little farther, but I still don't want to be gone all weekend. Sometimes I'll just plan ridiculous itineraries. Like I, I had a series of trips this past fall where I, I went and I, I went on, on trips that, that should have been at least two day long trips. And I managed to cram them into, you know, a half a day, <laughs> Like this one uh, place on West Clear Creek that I really wanted to shoot for fall colors, but most people will, you know, it requires like a, like a long swim and, and then you, 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 it's a long drive and then a hike in and you got to swim this pool and, and, and do some canyoneering. And then you get to this, you get to this waterfall and you camp there. And then the next day you swim out and people do it during summer cause it's freezing. And, and I was like, ah, you know, I want to shoot that for sunrise. So uh, I found a way in that would not require swimming. And like, I left, I left my house on a Friday night at 10 at night and I drove until like midnight. Um, I have a Subaru. It didn't, so, so it's, it's like semi capable, but I can't get those really rugged four wheel drive roads. So I brought my mountain bike. And so, you know, I get to the quote trailhead and I load all my gear on my back, my, all my overnight gear and everything. And at like 1am I get on my mountain bike and I mountain bike to the actual trailhead. So that's another six miles. And by then it's like, you know, two thirty, three in the morning. And then I backpack in this Canyon, uh, and I'm setting up camp at like 4am and then I wake up and it's three hours later. And I, I shoot, you know, I shoot this waterfall for like three hours, you know, until the light is too harsh. And then I hike out, I reverse my itinerary and I was back by, 1 p.m. the next day <laughs> yeah and i was i was riding on enough adrenaline or whatever was going on in my brain that i was able to like you know finish out the day semi-functional you yeah. know i wasn't like a complete i i got good photos and it was it was very satisfying so i so my mood you know i was in a good mood so i was able to push past my exhaustion and then get a full night asleep and so it all worked out so you know sometimes sometimes you got to do that <laughs> it's not for everybody but but it yeah, works i mean that's how I climbed so many mountains. I'd get off work on a Friday. I would drive three hours to the trailhead. I'd sleep in my car, get up at three in the morning, climb the mountain, come back to my car, drive home. Like that was a very typical Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday you're hanging out with your family. So like, yeah, it's it's doable. It it is doable. It takes, it takes commitment for sure. Oh yeah. Um, And drive a lot of drive. Yeah, it definitely takes a lot of drive. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely gotten a little lazier. Yeah. With that over the years. Yeah. I mean, there's I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> Can't last forever. You'll kill yourself, work yourself to death. Yeah, for um, sure. You know. Trying to maintain that. I mean, I remember I did one backpacking slash mountain climbing trip in twenty eighteen when I was trying to finish the highest hundred. I uh I got off work on a Thursday at five, drove five hours to the trailhead and like, it was a four wheel drive road, you know, it took forever. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Those, yeah. Those roads can be slower than hiking. It's yeah. sometimes you might as well just get out and hike it. <clears throat> and then I hiked for, with all my gear, I hiked for probably three hours 
you know, so like set up my campsite above tree line at like 1 a.m. Got up <laughs> at 5 a.m., photographed sunrise, climbed a 14er, climbed another 13er, climbed another 13er, climbed another 13er, <laughs> all with my backpacking gear on. Wow. Wow. And then hiked all the way down this to this valley, set up camp down there, got up the next morning, hiked back to my truck. So it was, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Wow. And I so did, we, it was like 40, <clears throat> mi- 40 miles, I think. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> with, with, with full, with full backpacking. I mean, I was gear. traveling pretty light. I, yeah. um, I think I had a, I had like a three lens, three small lenses and a really light tripod. Uh-huh. And I think my pack was like 30 pounds. It's so funny. I only had a camera, three lenses and a tripod. I was going light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so when you say you climbed like uh, several 13ers and a 14er, like how low are the passes between these? Like what's the vertical exchange, the prominence of these peaks? Yeah. I mean, at least 300 feet each, but yeah. And um, you're above tree line the whole time. So that's. Well, yeah, and there was imagine. a and there was a forest fire over in to the west of me, which was blowing all this smoke. Oh, so you're breathing in smoke, so nice. Was, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> Thin air with smoke in it. But I that's good for like, your lungs. <laughs> I I don't know, man. It was just you do enough stuff like that, like your your body can take it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I will say, you said your pack was like thirty something pounds. That's that's impressive with camera gear. Yeah, that's, I've gotten it down pretty light. My my pack on my last trip was fifty three pounds. It was fifty three going in and then forty eight coming out, and that yeah. was and that was a long water the whole time. So I wasn't, you know, I still would have two liters of water with me at any given time, but but I I also have a I got some heavy heavy gear, so yeah yeah no all, almost all my gear is pretty pretty lightweight on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> I'd uh, imagine. Well, cool man. Well, I um. I wanted to ask you uh, about your photography book that you published with Arizona Highways. What was that about? Yeah, it's called Arizona's Backcountry. Um, so Arizona Highways, they put out a lot of books. Um, it seems like a, a fairly recent thing within the past few years that they started putting out these smaller format. Um, they called them like gift books or something like that. Like, you, you know, your typical coffee table book is is large and a little pricey and these ones are a little smaller i think they're like 10 15 bucks each oh okay it's like 50 pages and uh <clears throat> and yeah it's just a photography book and they uh they, they've done several of them at this point um with their with their main contributors uh they've released one for each of those people it seems and uh and yeah it's just a kind of a sampling of, of my portfolio from, from around Arizona's backcountry. Um, the, the theme is just Arizona's backcountry. I wrote the forward, which I was excited about. I actually got to do a little bit of writing. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just photos of my trips. Uh, each one has a, has a caption that if there's something interesting around the capture of that photo, it'll be in the caption. So a little bit of the story about each one and, uh, and yeah, it's pretty inexpensive, like 15 bucks, I think 12, $15. So good, a good cheap gift. And they, your... <laughs> they, they did all of the publishing and the, like, you didn't have to put any money into it. Yeah, no, no, that was, yeah, they did That's all cool. of that. All I had to do was send them files just, and captions. Yeah. They, they just said, Hey, we want to do a book, uh, send these files. And I was like, all right. And then I That's met with their, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> 
Then I met with our books editor, Kelly. I, I met with her for like two hours and we just went over each photo and I told her the story behind it. And she sent me a draft so I could sign off on the captions and that was it. So it was, nice. I love, you know, I hate making prints for people. It's like one of my least favorite processes, but man, when someone else is going to do all that work for me, I am all in. <laughs> no doubt. That's the hard part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, cool, man. And then you have a workshop coming up as well in July. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so that is going to be uh, in in the White Mountains um, of Eastern Arizona, which is which is, in my opinion, I mean, gosh, every time I talk about a different areas of Arizona, I'm like, that is the most beautiful part of Arizona. Like, that's but, the best. And this yeah. is the best, and that's the best. <laughs> yeah, but the White Mountains, it's like it's like the premier summer destination. You know, it's it's all high country. Um, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a very large section of Eastern Arizona and there's, there's so much water out there. You know, there's all of our major rivers seem to start in the white mountains. Um, the little Colorado, which flows into the Colorado in the grand Canyon, its headwaters are up on Mount Baldy, uh, in the white mountains, you know, the, the salt river is another major river that starts out in the white mountains where the black and the white come together and the Gila rivers out there. And so there's all this, there's all this water out there and, super high elevation everywhere. So it's like these, you know, big green meadows with, with little spots of pine trees and trickling streams, just all the things that you don't imagine Arizona is. Um, yeah. So I spent, I spent like every summer out there for the past several years. And, and, uh, so, uh, when they, um, came to me and asked me if I wanted to teach a workshop, I, I jumped at the opportunity to host it out there because I think there's just a lot to see. Um, so yeah, I just, you know, we'll be photographing some rivers and some creeks. I think there's one spot open still. Um, uh, we'll be doing some hiking, um, photographing the black river, which is, which is, uh, my favorite river in Arizona. Um, so I made sure to spend plenty of time on the black river for this workshop. It should be a lot of fun. So it's going to be four days. How hot is it in July in the, in those mountains? Oh, it's very, it's, it's fine. Um, it's nice. Like seventies, eighties. Yeah. I mean, it depends on, it depends on what monsoon does this year. Right. Uh, so, (laughs) so the workshop dates are going to be July 14th through 17th, I think 14th through 18th, 14th through 17th. And, uh, the way monsoon is supposed to work, we would be in the heart of it there. I mean, there'd be, we would have clouds and rain every single day and that, that really keeps the temperature down very effectively. So the times I've been out there in mid July, when it's, when monsoon is acting the way it's supposed to, it's been, it's been downright chilly for the most part. You know, the clouds will start rolling in around 11 AM. You'll start getting rain around 1 PM and, and you're, you're cold. Um, if monsoon does what it's done the past couple of years, it might get up to the to the low eighties during the day, but gotcha. fing- fingers crossed. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, are you going to do other workshops with them? You think? I think so. Yeah. I'm definitely, yeah. I'm definitely planning on it. Um, okay. <clears throat> I've already had people tell me that uh, they wish that they could make this white mountains workshop, but they, you know, we, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't advertised on time and they didn't have time to, you know, uh, update their summer plans to accommodate. So, I think at the very least, I would like to do this one again. Um, obviously, that's assuming that it, it goes well and that the attendees all all liked it and everything. I would certainly like to do it again. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, I have tons of ideas for other workshops. Um, How do people stay up to date on learning about those opportunities? 
So it's being run by uh, a company called Arizona Highways Photoscapes. Um, they are a nonprofit, and they um, they are not part of the magazine. Um, however, they do they do run workshops with a lot of the photographers from Arizona Highways Magazine. So Arizona Highways Photoscapes. Not sure, clear. I think the website is like ahps.com, and uh, there are a lot of workshops on that website. Um, okay. So yeah, mine is just is one of them, one of many. Cool. Well, um, we'll put a link to that in the show notes because I think this episode probably will be released right when you're in the workshop. So oh, very cool. That's yeah. perfect. <laughs> well, not for you to fill. Well, yeah, you're right. But... Yeah. Well, you know, it's only one spot, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it'd be cool for people to you know stay up to date on learning about other ones. So yeah, for sure. Cool. All right, Joel. Well, who would you recommend our listeners uh, learn more about here on the podcast or um, that we can showcase in our show notes? Yeah. So um, one would be uh, Teresa Rose. Um, she is a local photographer. I believe she lives in Prescott. Um, I think that she's one of these like super underrated, you know, has not, hasn't gotten all that much exposure uh, at this point. But I do, I, I anticipate that she, she will. I think it's just a matter of time. I think she just, I, I started seeing her work probably within the past couple of years and she's very good. Um, I like Teresa's work a lot because she shoots locally and she, she doesn't just shoot the icons. You know, she, she does a, she does a lot of work right around her hometown of Prescott. Um, I've see her, I see her really dig into the landscape out there, which I have a lot of respect for, you know, if someone, yeah. if someone's going to shoot locally and they're going to put put forth the effort to, to, you know, to, to see what's near them. I, I think that's super cool. Um, <clears throat> so her work is really good. I think she'd be interesting to talk to Jessica, Mor- Jessica Morgan is another one. Um, uh, I follow her on, on Instagram and, and she seems to be all over the place. I'm not really, she's like in Alaska or something right now. Like, I think she's from Tucson or at least lived in Tucson. And that's where I, that's why I'm familiar with her work because she, she worked at Saguaro National Park and, and did a lot of, did a lot of work there. She's had a couple photos and highways. Um, but ever since then, like she, she'll be like in Yellowstone working as a photo guide, at, like uh, in Alaska somewhere being a ranger. Like she seems to do super cool stuff, but she also has really good work. And, and I'm personally really interested in her story because she, <laughs> she seems to be out doing cool stuff all the time. Um, and then lastly, it would be Jeff Kidda, um, which uh, Peter uh, already recommended Jeff Kidda. And, and I, I wholeheartedly second that recommendation. He is, he's the photo editor for Arizona highways. Um, he's been part of the game for forever. I think he's, he's, he's worked as a, as a full-time photographer and, and I believe he's had other photo editor type jobs before he came into highways. And I think that he would have a really interesting perspective on everything, you know, kind of that other side of things. Right. Well, I guess having both sides of things, having worked in both, you know, as a, as a photographer and as the, as the magazine editor, but. Right. The realities of running a photo magazine. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, and he's just a super nice guy, you know, very talkative and engaging. So I think he would be, I think he'd be a really interesting guest. Nice. Well, awesome, Joel. This has been awesome. Really fun. Yeah. 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 Thank you. I, I've had a lot of fun. Went by quickly. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Well, thanks to Joel for the great conversation. 
I really appreciate hearing about you and your adventures in Arizona, and I can tell that you really have a true love for that place. If you enjoyed our chat, you can join us for a bonus episode over on Patreon while supporting the podcast financially. Joel and I talk about the intersection of software engineering and photography, and Joel shares some captivating stories from the field. Do you have a question you're dying to have answered on the show by me or an upcoming guest? Do you perhaps have a juicy story to tell? A general comment? Well, we have an answering machine where you can leave your questions for us. Just go to podinbox.com forward slash f-stop or look for a link in today's show notes. Lastly, I would be remiss not to remind listeners that another great way to support the podcast is by utilizing our B&H affiliate link in the show notes of every episode. If you're planning on making a photography purchase, why not go with B&H while supporting the podcast? It's always appreciated. Thank you. Okay, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week. Bye.